Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Roy, how are you, pal? Things nice to have you with us. Yeah, how you good. doing, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Good to be on with you, Mad Dog. Always a pleasure, Troy. Thank you. Did you ever think uh, when you started being a broadcaster after that great career, you'd be doing these games for 22 years? Ever, ever in your wild imagination, <laughs> did you think? Did, ever in your wild imagination, did you think that? Uh, no, I, uh, I, I. Hey, it wasn't until my, uh, I guess, t- after my tenth year in the league that I even thought I would be doing broadcasting. And that just came about on a whim. I mean, it was pretty crazy the way that all developed. And then when I did get into broadcasting, I thought I would do it for a couple of years till I figured out what I wanted to do. And I still haven't figured out what I wanted to do. So <laughs> here I am, 23 years later. And having fun. And I know Madden had a large, a large influence on you. A, you, um, you know, when uh, he did the Cowboy games and from a broadcasting perspective too, Troy, tell us a little bit about you and John. You two are, were very, very close, which we didn't yeah. really realize until John passed away a couple of years ago. Then we, well, well, look at this. I didn't realize Troy was that close to him. So tell us about that relationship. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I got to know John uh, when I was playing. He, You know, he and Pat obviously covered a lot of my games. Pat and I, as a matter of fact, we had a TV show together in Dallas for two years, and he was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so I got to see him a lot as well. But during my playing days, I would go out to Northern California over the 4th of July. I would spend time with John. I'd play some golf with him. And then I got into broadcasting, and he was with me that first year at Fox. Uh, and I, and I ran a lot of things by him, you know, I mean, at the end of my playing career, he was a bit of a therapist for me because I went through a lot of frustrations at the end of my career. And John was very helpful in, in helping me navigate a lot of the decisions that I ended up making. And then when I got into broadcasting, he was such a great resource for me in that regard as well. In fact, when he left Fox, you know, he left for Monday Night Football, and it was right after my first year in broadcasting. I was in Santa Barbara. He called me, and he was the one who first told me that he was leaving. Uh, so I heard it from him first. I had no idea what impact that would have on me, but that's how Joe and I and then Chris Collinsworth at the time got paired together. But John and I also, uh, something I'm very proud of, we went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame together as well. So we were in that class together, and we always had that bond, which meant a lot to John. It meant a lot to me. And when he was still able to go to Canton for the ceremony, uh, we would always spend the weekend together. We'd always sit together at the Nitschke luncheon. And so, yeah, he was a, he was a special, special friend to me and, and so many others in the football world. Well, how about that? Um, do you still, do you get this? I know you don't get the same excitement, but the preparation and when you do a good broadcast, how much of a thrill is that? And how good do you feel compared to say when you played a good win as a quarterback. I know it doesn't compare entirely. You have to yeah. make a different story. But there's got to feel a sense of satisfaction when you walk out of that booth after a good – like Monday night was a good game. You had a good ball game. The Cowboys, you had a nice game. You guys did – you called it well. You walked out of there so far on, on Monday night, you probably felt pretty good about yourself, right? Yeah, I would say this, that when I was playing, uh, obviously nothing compares to that. And when I retired, I've been asked a lot over the years, if I miss playing. And my response to that is I, I miss winning. Uh, I felt at the end of my career I, I played, and, and that wasn't a whole lot of fun. But I miss playing in the big games, the championship games, the Super Bowls. And I enjoy calling those games as well. But I finally, 
It took a while. I would say it probably took about 15, maybe even a few more years than that for me as a broadcaster to, to really have a feel for the broadcast itself and I guess be able to walk out and know whether or not we did a good job as a team. You know, in, in football, you know, because of the scoreboard. And, and, and even that doesn't tell the entire story. But in broadcasting, it takes some time to really understand all that goes into that and all that makes a great broadcast. It's not just whether or not I'm good or Joe's good. There's so much that happens in the truck as well. But, yeah, I, I for the longest time, it was hard for me to gain a sense of satisfaction from, from this profession. Uh, but I have that now. And it is very rewarding. It's very satisfying. And I think that's why I've been able to continue to do it. Because when I first started, you know, when you walk out of that booth, because there isn't a scoreboard, you don't really know, okay, was it good? Was it not good? Uh, Was it good enough? Is it not? You know, there's a lot of questions that run through your mind. And I think every athlete that has gone into broadcasting experiences that. Uh, How long does it take you uh, to prepare for a particular game, like San Francisco, Minnesota. I mean, do you spend five hours on this game, basically from Tuesday on? Uh, I know you see game tape and everything else, but you know you played. You know what the quarterback's thinking and everything else. But to be fully prepared when that right. light goes on at eight o'clock on Monday, how much preparation do you have to do prior to that before the game on Monday night? No, it's a fair question, and for me, it's a lot. And when I say a lot, it has gotten to be more over the years. Uh, rather than me being able to streamline my preparation or for it to become easier, instead it's become uh, more tedious. And, and, it, and for me to have a comfort level going into a broadcast, it requires a lot. And part of that is that I don't want to just hear what other people are saying about a particular player. I, w- I want to see it for myself and really have my own opinions, uh, and not just the quarterback. I mean, people obviously watch the quarterbacks play, and then they draw their conclusions on whether he's playing well or not, but all the other positions as well. And so there, there's enough resources available uh, that you can readily do that. It hasn't always been as easy to come by as, as it is now. So I am able to to watch all the players, have my thoughts on them, how they've played up to that point in the year. And I think you owe it to the fan uh, that if, for instance, we're doing the 49ers this year for the first time or the Vikings as well for the first time, if you're a fan, a diehard fan of either one of those teams and you're watching the game on Monday night, I want them to feel like I've been watching all of those games right alongside them. And I know their team as well as they do. I, I think I owe them that. So, there's a lot of work that's involved in that. And, and I don't know that you never know everything you want to know going into a game because there's always more to know. You never know everything you can know about a particular player or a particular team, but that's the challenge. Uh, and, and the preparation, quite honestly, much like it was for me as a player, it's what I enjoy. Um, you know, I've been one of the fortunate ones in, in life that uh, since I got out of high school, or I should say college, since I got out of college, I don't feel like I've had a job my entire life. And that's, uh, that, that's saying something when you've been able to live out a dream playing the game of football and now you get a chance with a wonderful occupation to be able to talk about it.
Now, we'll get to your career a little bit. I sort of want to go do that more than break down, you know, who's got a great defense, the Browns or the Saints, so, uh, because I know you deal with that every week. Do you uh, – is, is, is football so much more complicated? I mean, boy, you hear a lot of these broadcasters. You think it's – you know, I better get Oppenheimer here to figure out what's going on with defenses and everything else. <laughs> I mean, is, is football – is it still football from what you remember it, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago? I mean, could you – if physically, if you could play, I mean, could you pick – up the position now as a QB as well as you did 25 years ago or is it that much more complicated in 2023? No, I I believe that I could. You know, it's interesting because when I was playing and North Turner was our offensive coordinator in Dallas when we won our first couple of Super Bowls, uh, he would pull up film when he was putting in the offense that we watched going back to Joe Gibbs and, and the Hogs with the Washington Redskins at the time. And those those philosophies and those concepts they're still being run today and so I was talking to Norv he we were together this past summer we were visiting and I was asking him I was asking him those very questions about how the game offensively has changed he says well no it really hasn't changed and he pulled up stuff he says this is the, this is the old 525 f post that we ran it's the same deal we just do it out of a little bit of a different formation and and so the concepts really haven't changed that much uh, and I do think that when you look at a team like San Francisco and the success that they've been able to have, I think the pendulum is starting to kind of swing back a little bit to where the running game is is becoming more prevalent than what we've seen in prior years with the advent of the spread offense that's impacted the co- or the pro game from the college level. But yeah, I think the I, I think I could step in and, and you know in my prime and and still be able to execute an offense and it, you wouldn't be that far removed from what guys are doing now relative to back when I played. Did you get uh, when you think about your career with the three champions? It's hard to ask you this with the three Super Bowls. I know that last one you barely remember it because you got concussed there in that San Francisco championship game. I think that was your last one. But when you think, no, it wasn't. Pittsburgh was that was that's the the Buffalo yeah. one. But when you the think back, to, yeah. the second one. Uh, when you think back to your Dallas career, did you get everything out of it? When you look back on it now, twenty five years, you won three championships. You could have won more. You lost that championship yeah. game to Steve Young. Does Troy Aikman feel he got the most out of his career that you could have gotten? Well, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's one I've never been asked before. Um, here's what I think. For someone who stepped into a situation that was a, was a difficult one with a team that had been the worst in football, and after my first year we were still the worst team in football, and I was 0-11 as a starter, and we as a team had only won one game, the thought that, that just a couple of years later we would be winning a Super Bowl is unimaginable. Um, and so we had an amazing run, and I'm very proud of that run and, and uh, love the guys that I was able to play with and the coaches that I played for. With that said, uh, when Jimmy left, Jimmy, I think, was probably a not enough people appreciate how great he was as a talent evaluator. He was a great coach. But he might have been an even better talent evaluator. And so that's why our team was so talented. And once he left, not only did we lose a great coach, but, but we lost the guy who could really select the players that built those rosters. And so for us, we, it, we began a slide. Uh, our backups would step in when we'd lose a starter, and they would be a Pro Bowl player. And then eventually the, the cupboards were empty. And so – as great as that run was for us, those six, seven years that I was a part of, the end of it 
was was just as frustrating for me. And it's one of the reasons why I retired when I did. I think a lot of people point to head injuries or my back injury, but just as big a part of that decision was the fact that I didn't have a lot of confidence that what was happening at the executive level was in the best interest of putting a great product out on the field. And it was a difficult decision for me to make, but at the end of the day, it was the right one. So it's hard to complain with three Super Bowl championships, and I'm very proud of that, and I'm proud to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But as great as it was, I, I do feel like it could have been better. And you you got hit by that Niner lineman. Uh, and I remember I was at that Super Bowl in Atlanta, and I asked you that, and you barely remembered it. You don't remember anything about that San Francisco championship game or a lot about that Buffalo Super Bowl II, that second title. Is that correct? Well, I remember I remember the Super Bowl. Uh, there, there are things that – that I learned later uh, during the week, because Chris, that was the, uh, that was the one, that was the one year where there was not the buy uh, right. in between the, the championship game and then, and then the Super Bowl. And so in today's NFL, I wouldn't even have been able to play. I mean, I would have been ruled out immediately. I spent the night in the hospital. I have no recollection of the NFC championship game uh, that, that 93 season championship game. I have no recollection of that game. The Super Bowl, I do, but I've learned that I really don't have a lot of recollection of, of that week um, leading up to the game. and So I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, the league has taken big steps, as we know. Uh, I'm fortunate that something didn't happen, an, a major blow again uh, in, in that Super Bowl. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to play in it, but I'm also just as grateful that nothing severe happened. Wow. Now, out of high school, I know you went to Oklahoma and then transferred to UCLA, and we all know how great you were in high school, and to go play for Barry there with the wishbone and everything else in Oklahoma didn't make much sense. Is, was that him? I know you went to UCLA, so you had a great career, and you were the number one pick. What was the decision there coming out of high school playing, and you had to do it because it was your home state? Let me hear about that for a second. Go ahead. Well, uh, ten, I wasn't heavily recruited. Uh, I, outside of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I had visits to Tennessee and Missouri. And I, just, I was a young senior. I graduated. I was 17 years old. And, and I just didn't feel like leaving the state really wasn't something I, I thought much of. But I had always thought I was going to go to Oklahoma State. And Jimmy Johnson was the head coach there at the time. And I committed to him on my recruiting trip, uh, but the very next weekend was the last recruiting weekend, and I wanted to go to OU, and, and I wanted to go take the visit. And Jimmy tried to talk me out of it, but I thought, you know, Coach, I just want to go experience it. You do it one time. And, and so I went, and I just realized that, that the experience at Oklahoma was far different than what it was at Oklahoma State. And, and coming from a small high school – I wasn't real sure whether or not I could even play quarterback at that level, but I thought, you know, I know I can play somewhere. So if I can't play quarterback, I know I can play safety, maybe linebacker, I don't know, tight end. But if I'm going to do it, I want to do it for a team that has a chance to win the national championship. And that was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You know, that wasn't them. And Oklahoma State wasn't going to win the, the Big 8 title at the time. So I and, and I was being told by Barry Switzer that, they were going to throw the football and everyone asked why I went there as a drop back passer, Keith Jackson, the tight end out of Arkansas. He, he went there. He was in my recruiting class as well. He was the top tight end in the nation. So we both went there to Oklahoma expecting to be in the I formation and throw the football. And obviously it didn't work out that way. And, 
you know, I broke my leg. Jamel Holloway came in and led the team to the national championship, and then I transferred to, to UCLA. But even if I hadn't have broken my leg, um, I, I, I was not happy playing football, running the wishbone offense. That just was not what I was built to do. The 100% with Troy Aikman. Like everybody growing up in Oklahoma, uh, were you a Mickey Mantle fan as a young kid? I mean, he is Mr. Oklahoma, and he was still alive when you were in high school. <laughs> and and did, did Troy Aikman, did you, I'm sure you played baseball somewhere. Yeah. Uh, did you think about Mickey Mantle? I'm interested in that. Let me hear. Not, I, knew, I knew of Mickey. Um, I, I actually was born in Southern California, and I lived there until I was 12. And then my family moved to Oklahoma when I was in eighth grade. I, I was a huge baseball fan. I, I, my first love was baseball. And I always imagined uh, that I always wanted to be a professional athlete. And quite honestly, I always thought it would be in baseball. And a number of my friends went on to play collegiately, and some of them even went on to play in the big leagues. So, when we moved to Oklahoma, football was was king. Uh, I, I knew of Mickey Mantle. I didn't I didn't follow him or anything like that. But Pat Summerall, going back to him, uh, he was very close friends with Mickey Mantle. And over the years, I've had a number of people tell me that that they think that Mickey and I resemble each other. Uh, oh, I think you do. Pat That's always, why I asked the question. That's why yeah. you do. I think there's a lot of resemblance. Yeah, Pat there. always said that. And matter of fact. Uh, my last golf tournament that I had here in Dallas, Mickey Mantle played in it, and we had so many people on the course that day. It was the last, maybe the last round of golf that Mickey played before he passed. He passed just shortly thereafter. He got in the hospital and never recovered. But with that said, I never met Mickey Mantle. I was so yeah. excited to meet him that I was waiting for him to come in at the end of the round. The round was so long. You know how some of those charity tournaments can oh. be. That he left. He left the course before he finished his round and got in and, and and left the course. And I never got a chance to meet Mickey Mantle before he passed. How about that? Uh, I, I was fortunate to. I, we were out there, Mike and the Mad Dog, and uh, the San Francisco Dallas game when you fell behind twenty-one nothing. That turned out to be a great game. Was that the best game that you played in a loss NFC Championship game with uh, Switzer against Young and the Niners? How about that? Yeah, I would I would say so. I it's the game that I'm most proud of uh because when when we were losing early in my career, we weren't on national television. And then when we started to win, uh then that's when Madden and Summerall were covering our games and and all people had seen of us was win and we'd won two consecutive Super Bowls and we'd won those championship games and then we get to that game against San Francisco in the 94 season. And it was the first time that America saw us with our backs against the wall. And I just felt that the way our team responded, we, con we continued to battle. Larry Allen was a rookie that year, and he was playing on one leg, and he was struggling, and, and San Francisco was really good on defense. But, you know, we hung in there, and I thought, I thought we were going to pull it off, but we weren't able to close the gap. Every time we pulled within 10, they would go down and score, so we never could get it to a one-score game. But yeah, it is a game that I'm really proud of, and I think that we earned a lot of respect, gained a lot of respect uh, in that loss, more so than any other loss that I was a part of. Yeah, there was some penalty, there were some calls that too in that game. They were a little spotty. You could have come back and yeah, uh, 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 won that game. Uh, what Troy Aikman doing a great job here? What quarterback right now? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to rank them, uh, but I want to hear from quarterback to quarterback. Let's forget the broadcasting hat for a second. What quarterback that plays the game right now? that you most enjoy watching? Uh, I would say probably Joe Burrow, uh, you know, when he's healthy. And, and I just, 
I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I love the way he plays the game. I love his demeanor, and he plays the game with with really an uh, an old style approach. In that, I think so much of so much of the position now, and it's and it's this way going back to college that there's not a lot of offenses to where the quarterback is putting his foot in the ground and the ball's coming out. Um, Part of it is that you can't hit the quarterback the way you once did, so there's a sense of security that they feel. Uh, The timing of the offenses with the receivers isn't that way in college. A lot of the spread offenses, quarterbacks are in the shotgun. A lot of the big plays happen, you know, when quarterbacks are extending the plays, And, and all that's fine. But as someone who lived in an era with a lot of pocket passers, uh, whether it was myself or Dan Marino or John Elway, you know, Jim Kelly, you go on and on. And, you know, not that Elway obviously couldn't extend plays. He certainly could. But there was more of an emphasis on getting the ball out in, on time uh, with the receivers that that's what I see when I, when I watch Joe Burrow. He can scramble, but that's not what he's known for. What he's known for is is his precision and and just dissecting a defense. And so, I've enjoyed watching him. I, I've really liked what I've seen of Brock Purdy. Uh, looking forward to watching him in person this week. Uh, I love what Kyle Shanahan does offensively. So, um, yeah. But right now, of the there's a lot of quarterbacks I really like. But if I had to pick one guy, it would probably be Joe Burrow. All right, when you went to bed, as we go around the horn here, I'll just throw things at you, Troy, and you answer them because I don't have to talk. I just listen to you. Uh, when you went to bed in Pasadena before that first one against Buffalo and you scored 52, did you guys know that Alvin Harper would have such a big day? No. And my worry was that Buffalo had lost the two prior Super Bowls. Um, and so I just felt, man, the odds are not in our favor that they're going to lose three in a row. And they were the more experienced team. We were the youngest team in football. Um, and that night, uh, it, it started raining, and there had been rains in the Southern California area uh, for the pr- prior week. And I couldn't throw a wet ball, just simply couldn't throw it. I mean, you might as well put Nate Newton at quarterback if the <laughs> rain was coming down. And, and so it started to rain, and, and I, I slept good. I don't know how. But I woke up that morning and immediately went to the window and opened up the blinds and saw that it was sunny and a clear day. And, and that was the biggest relief that I had had. Um, but, yeah, you never expect a game to go the way that it did. And the way that we started that game, that if, there, if someone had told me there was going to be a blowout after a few minutes into that game, I'd say that we were definitely going to be on the receiving end of it because uh, it didn't start out well for us that day. I think Harper caught the first touchdown pass from that game. Did he not? I'm not mistaken. The first touchdown pass was to uh, Jay Novacek, and then uh, and then Michael caught the next two, and Alvin caught the one that basically cinched, uh, clinched the game uh, there in the uh, early fourth quarter. All right, so I got it mixed up. So uh, Irving had caught the two. Um, yeah. Do you ha- do you uh, do you uh, are you friendly with Jerry Jones? Do you talk to him? Do you when you see him at Cowboy games? How's your relationship with the Cowboys owner? It's good. You know, we were on the set last Monday night together uh, on Monday Night Countdown, which was good. And I don't see him as much. I, I would see him more when I was working at Fox because we had more Cowboys games, but. Uh, this was the first one we had. This year we do have two Cowboys games, but yeah, it's it's good. I just I don't uh, I don't see him or really any of them all that often uh, since I've moved over to ESPN, and and we just don't have them as much as we once did. 
Did you ever think about taking a job with Dallas a la Marino with the Dolphins where you sort of consulted and kind of oversaw things and gave your expert analysis on the Cowboys? Did you ever think that you ever offered that job from Dallas in your long career? Uh, no, I, I don't know that anyone's ever been offered that job in Dallas. But That's um, true, too. That's true, too. You know, I did. I will say this, that when I was playing, uh, working in the front office was something that I, that I thought I would be doing. And that's why I said earlier, when I got into broadcasting, thought I'd do it for a few years until I figured out what I was going to do. I always envisioned that eventually I'd work for, for a club. Uh, I, wasn't, I, I, I wasn't under any illusion that that would be in Dallas simply because of the structure of the organization. Um, not only with Jerry being as involved as he is, but also – you know, he has two sons, um, and so I knew that, that there was going to be priority with them. Uh, now there's a lot of grandsons and granddaughters, so there's, makes a, it, lot, makes it there's a lot of Joneses. Yeah. There's no room for anybody now, but there, there was a time. It, it, it's passed me by now, as we know, but there was a time when I, when I did think uh, that, and I think I'd be good at it, quite honestly, but there was a time when I thought that was something that I'd be doing, and, and probably – when my days on earth are over, I'll probably look back and, and wish that somehow I was able to give it a shot. Cause I guess it's one of those things that if you never do it, you never know how good or how bad you might've been. And I'll always wonder more so than coaching. You'd much prefer being yeah. in the front office. Yeah. I never, uh, I, I, I never had an itch about coaching. Um, and it just, I, I don't know why exactly. It just wasn't something that was of interest to me. Probably, Probably because at the time, in order to coach, you know, you got to work your way into it. You start out as a position coach, if that, uh, and then you work your way up to what to to then eventually uh, becoming a head coach, if that's your aspiration, which it would be for me. Uh, and it was a tough, long road to get there. And I had young girls, and the and the hours wouldn't have bothered me. But I just felt that where I was in my life, uh, I I didn't have to do it, and I thought it would be very selfish on my part to to just be pulled away from the family and not spend any time with them. How much of your sick, would you be a great analyst with any play-by-play guy or how important is Joe to the connection the two you have in the booth? I know you're friends. I know you're good friends. Go oh yeah. 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 Um, well, I'm not sure how to answer, that, but I will, I will say that uh, w- one of the things that I cherish most, is the fact that, that he and I have been able to work together as long as we have because we are good friends. And, you know, we were there at Fox, of course. I then left and agreed to move to Monday nights. And there was no guarantees that Joe was coming. And, you know, we had talked about it, but we thought in best-case scenario it would be a year later, if then, because he had one year left on his Fox contract. And we've always talked about what good friends we are and how much we've enjoyed working together. But – the rubber kind of hit the road uh, last year when I left. If I didn't want to continue to work with Joe, it would have been real easy for me to say to ESPN, look, Joe's been great, but I'd really rather work with someone else. And, and Joe could have very easily have said to Fox, hey, it was great working with Troy, but I'm staying here. Um, and neither of us did that. So I think in a lot of ways uh, what we had always said, we, we kind of – put our money where our mouth was and we made it happen last year. And so I'm very proud of that. Uh, there's no one else I'd rather work with. I will say that. Uh, and I think that the viewer, I think part of our success is I think the viewer feels the fact that we're friends. Um, at least I hope that they do because we really are. We've been through a lot together. 
uh, both professionally as well as in our personal lives. Uh, but I think the world of him, he's like, he's like a brother to me. And, and I think that he would probably tell you the same thing about me with him. Are you a big sports fan, Troy? I mean, I mean, do you watch baseball playoff games, the NBA? Uh, do you watch, uh, I'm sure you watch the golf. I mean, you watch the ride a couple of bit. Do you, do you watch, uh, Djokovic and Alcaraz? I mean, are you a big sports fan? I'm, I, I'm a big fan when the, when the games matter. Um, it's hard for me to, you know, there's so many games in most of these sports. It's hard for me to get into these regular season games. I'll, I'll go casually to a game and watch it and root for them. But I think that's what's great about the NFL is that every week matters. Every week has a story to it, and there's a buildup to it, uh, whereas the other sports don't quite have that. But right now, uh, you know, I'm, Dallas is a, is a cowboy town, but right now it's a Rangers town, and we're sure excited about what they've been able to do. And Chris Young, their general manager, has done an amazing job and excited about uh, game four tonight against the Houston Astros. Uh, like Saturday, will you make sure you watch the Penn State game against Ohio State? Is that appointment television for Troy Aikman? No, it's not. <laughs> really? Wow. It's Interesting. Not. No. Hmm. No. I'll uh, watch UCLA. You know, I'll, I, I watch them uh, when I get a chance to. I'll watch the – if that's the game that's most interesting to me, I don't have any ties to either one of those schools, so there's not a lot that does it for me. I've enjoyed following Colorado – and Dion because he's a close friend. Uh, that's usually the teams that, that I'm watching. Either there's some tie-in with me with a coach uh, or a player that I want to watch or maybe some history going back to my career in college at UCLA. But uh, not all big games are as big of games to me. All right, last thing. Growing up in L.A. for a little while, then going to Oklahoma, what quarterback did you emulate? Which guy who at the time was playing that you really wanted to be like? Well, my favorite quarterback when I was a kid, uh, I was a Rams fan in, in Southern California. So uh, I, I grew up watching uh, James Harris and, and uh, Pat Hayden. And then when they went to the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was Vince Ferragamo. And uh, so he, he, was, he was that guy for me, Vince Ferragamo was, uh, that a lot of people, when I, when I, when I mention him, uh, they, they're – they wonder why I mentioned him because he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he had a great year that year. He wasn't a, a starter for a long time, but yeah, he just kind of captivated me during that stretch when they made it to the Super Bowl. And then in Oklahoma, I, I watched a lot of Staubach, um, and so really enjoyed him as well. Two big passes from uh, from Bradshaw to Stallworth, or the Steelers yeah. would have not would not have won that game <laughs> because Farragano right. did a he did a very very good. Troy, enjoy very much. Thanks very much. Thanks for so much time today. We'll keep in touch. Appreciate you coming on here. Great Thank job. Thank you, Mad Dog. You Take bet. care. You got it with Mr. Aikman. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from three to six p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel eighty two. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.